What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way, I have Brian Neal of Low Country Drifters, which is, well, welcome to the show, which is a uh, boating experience company. That's correct. That takes people on an experience where at? All throughout the low country, you know, that's why it's called low country drifting. Low country is a unique uh, area of the world. Yeah. You know, it's almost its own ecosystem. It's, it's uh, again, I say unique. You can't go anywhere else in the world and be in the low country. It's only here. That's right. That's so right. So it's got to be, you know, from South Carolina, they kind of claim it, all the way to almost North Florida, Amelia Island, and in between there. Yeah. We're right in the heart of it. Uh, Georgia's got a small coastline. Uh, if you ask people from the Midwest, they don't even realize that Georgia has a coastline. Yeah. But we do. And it's yeah. a unique spot on this planet. Yeah. Um, and so I want to take people out on a boat to get, uh, you know, out of the bar and off the street into the water is what I say. Love that. Um, Love that. So it's, it's, it's again, a unique, unique ecosystem. When you talk about that, you talk about the animals that live there and you talk about the history behind why this area is important. Yeah. You know, uh, we do, I do the tours. Um, it's not fishing. Everybody wants to go fish. I do fish. I yeah. love fishing. And everybody's like, oh, it's a fishing tour because they think boat, they think fishing. Yeah. Um, that's not it. You yeah. know, and it's not a trolley tour either like you get on River Street. It's, it's on a boat. It's in the water. But there's a lot of things you can do. We can go, there's everything from the, you know, uh, fossil hunting that we can do because they dredged the Savannah River up and they built barrier islands in the Savannah River that were made from dredging the Savannah River. Yeah. Um, and they dug up a bunch of fossils and stuff and they dumped them onto these islands. Bird Island, uh, where uh, Fort Pulaski is at, yeah. is one of those on the uh, western tip of that island is where we go and we go fossil hunting. You can find everything from uh, woolly mammoth, you know, chunks of their tusks to you know megalodon teeth to all kinds of dinosaur bones to that's amazing artifacts from artifacts from ships they just dug up uh, some cannons uh, here recently from the Revolutionary War that's amazing uh, just this year in February of this year mm-hmm. uh, so we go up and down those rivers some people want to go see the giant cargo ships the biggest ships on the entire east coast of the United States can come into the Savannah River now yeah um, because of the dredging and to see those things is humbling to see them come by you uh, in a little in my little boat. Uh, we can be on the water right next to him, feet away, and it's pretty awesome. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, thank you for kind of like that intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we know a little bit of kind of like what it is that your company does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very interested about people's stories of how about how they got there. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, have you always been on the water? Like, is that something that is a passion of yours or where did this all start? Sure. Um, and I wish it was like a lineage story all the way through that. Like I grew up as old salty crab fisherman's son or some <laughs> some crap. But no, my dad was in the Navy. I grew up as a Navy brat. Um, okay. uh, my dad joined the Navy a little bit later on in his life because uh, my mom, you know, they had started a family and he was like, I need a job. You know, it's in the 70s. It was right after Vietnam. He joined the Navy. And for, again, for a job, it was a family tradition. His father and uh, two of his brothers were actually in the Navy also. And he's from Pennsylvania originally. That's where I was born is in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, joined the Navy and, you know, it was like, hey, wherever this takes us. Yeah. You know, my brother and I were both born up in Pennsylvania and then he got moved to Virginia. And so always around the water. We grew up in Virginia Beach, uh, right outside of Virginia Beach. Norfolk is a big Navy station. And 
I was always around the water, and I always loved it. You know, growing up in summer times and on weekends and stuff, we went to the beach. Yeah. And I always loved it. My dad, though, not a fan of boats. He's not a fan of boats. <laughs> so he joined you, the Navy. He'll tell you he's on ships. He's yeah. not on boats. He likes big ships. He likes doing that kind of thing. Very, very good at his job. He's a senior chief, retired from the Navy, and uh, very proud of his service. He did a great job, but did not – that will not get – you know, voluntarily, he'll do, he'll do it. So he it. doesn't go on the he's not, tours. He, he has, you know, with, with my mom, uh, before my mom passed away, he'd go on the, he'd go on the mm. boat, but like the beach and boats and all that things, not his thing. Okay. Being out in the middle of the ocean, you know, doing what he does on a, on a, on a naval vessel, doing military thing, that's his thing. Gotcha. But being on boats, I always loved it because I grew up around it. It really wasn't his life. My, my, my mom's side of the family grew up in, uh, or is from uh, Bayville, New Jersey. Okay. Um, crab fishermen, those kind of things. And when we, we were a couple miles is where my grandma lived in Bayville, New Jersey, from the shore. Uh-huh. Um, kind of like seaside area, with Jersey Shore. Yeah, That stupid absolutely. show kind of ruined the whole of New Jersey. But <laughs> no, I grew up around there. And uh, we used to go to the shore. You know, we'd go to the beach. And me and my brother, we'd go down there by ourselves back in the day when you could ride a bike two miles. Yeah. And nobody cared. And yeah. And we'd go down there. And uh, we'd go crabbing, you know, handlining for crabs and all. I always loved that. And that was, a, that was a gift for us to go up there in New Jersey and go do that. And then in Virginia Beach, obviously, when my mom would drive us down to the down the shore we go you know boogie board or whatever and be on there but i always loved the water i always loved the ocean so me myself i joined the army when i was uh right on my eight the day after my 18th birthday i actually joined when i was 17 years old was that something that you had like already planned out or were you looking for i i guess maybe inspired by your dad and the, the work that he did in the navy he it's funny now me and him talk about it sometimes now but it was kind of out of nowhere you know i grew i had a great life grew up uh you know on a Navy base a little bit. We grew up, we went to England for three years when I was in Crazy. school. Yeah. Lived in London, England. My brother graduated high school in England. And then uh, we moved back. And I really didn't have a lot of friends. My last two years of school was in Virginia. I was kind of by myself a little bit. I had some friends in the neighborhood we lived in, in Chesapeake, Virginia. And then uh, I'd always been intrigued by the military. And I kind of like the Army side of it more. I'd seen the Navy. Yeah. I'd been on the ships. And I've seen all of it, the docks and all that crap. But I always liked the Army. I like going out and, you know, Running around doing that kind of thing. I didn't grow up around guns. I didn't grow up around tanks. Didn't grow up on an army base. But I always was intrigued by the military and the the army especially. Mm. And so, you know, one day I went to the cafeteria. There was an army recruiter there. Got to chat with him. And he was apparently good at his job. (laughs) That's what I did was join the army. And uh, What was that experience like? It was great. It was great. 18 years old, uh, 1995. Uh, Well, beginning in 1995, I was a senior in high school, joined a delayed entry program uh, in the Army. And so the rest of my remainder of my senior year and the entire summer before I turned 18, uh, I trained with the recruiters and did all that crap. And then went off to basic training at Fort Leonard, Missouri um, in the fall, August of 1995. And from there, did all that. That was that's a different podcast. That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time uh, dealing with all that crap. And then my first duty station was Germany. Loved it. Again, another landlocked country. How I ended up on a boat is, is now I'm telling the story. It's kind of hard to get there. But uh, went to Germany, and then it, that was the war when it was going on in Yugoslavia. Gotcha. Former Republic of Yugoslavia. That was thrust right into that. So I was two weeks out of basic training. I get to Germany, and my entire unit is already deployed Yeah. with NATO to, um, to Yugoslavia, to the Balkans. Serbia, all spread out all over. I was an engineer, so I drove a uh, bridge layer. Uh, like the old, I had I had never even seen one before. I went to make sure I had a GI Joe toy with the bridge that comes off the sure. top of the tank. And, and what uh, is the responsibility of that uh, vehicle? Yeah, so it's it's movement. You know, it's it's as a, as an engineer, um, how you end up in certain jobs in the military is kind of funny too. Uh, you know, you take a test, a placement test, and mm-hmm. it says, all right, 
you're smart enough to do this job and you're dumb enough to do this one. I don't know how else to put it. Is that what it I is? ended up at the very end of this story? I'll tell you, I was an army recruiter at the very end of this. Yeah. So I kind of got a little insight on that. But apparently I did very well in my placement test. But they were like, hey, you got these two options. Apparently I had a lot of options, but I didn't know that at the time. Sure. And so they were like, engineer, combat engineer. I'm like, sounds, sounds awesome. Pretty when cool. you're 17 years old, <laughs> I'm like, that's the coolest sounding thing I've ever heard. You yeah. know, I had GI Joes and all that crap growing up. But uh, they showed me like a video and it was on a laser disc like that big. You yeah. remember laser disc? Sure. It was like this big. They put it in the thing and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, this is super cool. And they showed me a bridge layer tank coming across. And there's machine guns and there was a big, I was like, yep, I'll do that. Yeah. Very so that's cool. what I did. And then, you know, six months later, by the end of December of 1995, uh, I drove a bridge layer from Austria through Hungary into the Balkans on the Sava River um, the night before. Slivan Milosevic blew the Sava River Bridge up. Oh, wow. And it was sitting there in the middle of the night and listened to that blow up. And we sat there for three weeks in the snow. And I'd, I'm from Virginia. I'd never seen snow. And I remember throwing my cow <laughs> at the top of my bridge layer and disappeared in the snow. Yeah. And I was just like, whatever. I just curled up in the bottom of my tank uh-huh. and uh, and laid there. Anyway. What, what, what type of, uh, you know, these experiences that you went through mm. in the Army, did it have any impact on kind of like the way that you approach business? Sure. Is there any sort of connection there? And there is. So we can bring it back a little bit. I got down that rabbit no, hole you're of, good. of you're Jordan good. and all that. And uh, No, but it is. So the reason I do what I do and why I want to do a business is, A, I have a hard time now that I've retired after 27 years of military service for me to go out and go get a job working for somebody else or working with somebody else. For me personally, as a veteran, is very difficult. Why? Because... I was the guy in charge for a long time, but that structure that we were in as, as in the military is is very different and it translate. It's very hard to translate into the civilian world. So entrepreneurship in the military, we have a lot of skills that we can do. But you got to remember, I did the same job from when I was 17 to now I'm almost 45. Got you. And how do you translate that into working at a factory, working at a you know a service industry, mm-hmm. doing any of those things? I feel like I'm a pretty personable guy. But for me to get told what to do when I was in charge of hundreds of people in very intense situations for a long time sure. is difficult. So to start a business on your own and use the skills that I've, I've built over the years, it, it should be a natural progression mm. um, to, to make, you know, make your own business. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. Now, navigating that has been very difficult. Uh, do, you, do you see kind of like a lot of uh, veterans kind of like stepping into entrepreneurship because of the challenges that you mentioned? Yes, and I think the I think the military and the government in general are aware of those challenges, and so they started a thing called Boots to Business. Okay, I'd like to promote that Boots to Business. Um, I never even heard of it until my last couple my last year in the military. We get put into something called TAPS, it's a transition uh, army something transition. It's like a transition thing you got to go through, uh-huh. and uh, and it's a bunch of different classes about you know your finances and VA benefits and one of the options was and that's the reason I started this business was it's called Boots to Business. Is somebody started it up and you know it was with the small business administration and they came and talked to us and they were like, Hey, if you want to know more, come to this class. So I did. I went through like a one week course. Uh-huh. And taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about getting the EIN, like how to yeah, okay. start business, uh, you know, paying taxes, paying, you know, workman's comp, like if you, what kind of business are you going to do? Sole proprietorship, LLCs, all I love that. that. And so they, they gave us that. And that's a great thing. You know, yeah. the military puts a lot of investment into us. And then at the end, they don't just say, hey, appreciate it. See you later. They gave us a lot of tools, but it's, you know, it's hard to use those tools, but I feel like I took the opportunity to, you know, had good instructors and they told me a lot of things. But again, it was one week. I didn't get a master's degree or business, you know, no kind of degree. Yeah. I just went out there and got on Google and had my little boots to business book they gave me. Sure. And started 
figured out how to start an LLC and how to pay taxes and yeah. And, w- and what was that first kind of like business that you did? So I've I've done a couple of business. I did a uh, cotton calls when I was oh I was still serving. I came to the uh, farmers market here in Statesboro. Okay. And I made uh, I've always done word work and my dad did too when I was growing up. And I always liked the idea of making money doing something with my hands, doing something on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I made uh, duck calls and I like a wood. That's awesome. Like lathe wood lathe and I have a big wood shop. And I've always had some sort of shop whether it's in my garage or now I have a decent sized shop. But making cutting boards and I've made fishing poles. I've made you know, duck calls and goose calls and you name it, I've probably made it. So there's a missing part of the story, which is how you got to Statesboro, right? Like, you right. know, how did you get kind of like into the Statesboro area? Right. So the army, bring it back. So I went to Germany first, did the whole stuff in Yugoslavia and all that. And that was, that was pretty wild. Did that for like two years, had a great time in Germany, tried to stay in Germany. And they were like, nope, you got to go. You got to go to Fort Stewart, Georgia. Cause they just, <laughs> they just hand you a piece of paper and there's nothing you can say. Yeah. Um, at that point I was 20 years old. And uh, they say you're going to Statesboro, Georgia. So I looked it up. You know, it's before the internet. Sure. Which is crazy. That's wild. And uh, I'm like, all right, where's that? I was like, I feel like that's close to Virginia. All right, that won't be bad. <laughs> so I called my brother on the phone, you know, with the old uh, AT&T calling card where you okay. punch in the 400 numbers and you call on the payphone. And I called him. I said, hey, I'm going to Fort Stewart, Georgia. He's like, man, I'll meet you there. Yeah, it's like a nine and a half hour drive uh-huh, from Virginia. For him. For him. Yeah. I think, I'm thinking, you know. Pretty close. Right pretty there. close, yeah. It is not. So he meets me in Georgia. <laughs> And uh, we go to like Savannah, and I was like, "That's that's a big thing. We'll go to Savannah." And this is before River Street was anything. I mean, it was uh, late '90s, early 2000s. You know, there's a couple places down there. So that's how I ended up in Georgia, and I fell in love with it. It's it's amazing. My brother did the same thing. He was like, "Holy smokes!" And then turns out, I talked to my dad. I said, "Hey, I'm going to Fort Stewart," and he's like, "Where is that?" Because he's familiar with Navy bases, not Army bases. Sure. I was like, "It's by Savannah." He goes, "Man, when I joined in joined the Navy in the 70s, the first ship he was on was the USS Savannah." Oh, wow. And he took a ship and they came down River Street and they ported that boat, the USS Savannah, on River Street in downtown Savannah, and he got to be off the ship and all that and it was like a whole big thing. Do they still do that? I they mean, used I... to up to a couple years ago. Uh. I think I think honestly like 9/11 kind of shut all that. These sure. like people on and off the boat like sure. come, they would pull the USS Savannah down River Street park it on River Street and you could like and all the sailors would go off in their uniforms and oh that's sick go get drunk and hang out and people could they had like the gangway open uh-huh. and all the sailors took turns like and they would show people around the boat that's and cool you could wander around and like probably having a cocktail and hanging on the boat uh-huh. so I thought that was a neat like you know Con- connection yeah. with, the, with the area yeah and so that was cool so anyway did went to Fort Stewart um I wouldn't say god awful experience, but not the best. The Fort Stewart Third Third Infantry Division is the tip of the sword. They, you know, initial invasion into uh, World War Two. Sure. Uh, initial invasion into Iraq. Like that's that's what they do at sure. Fort Stewart. So I got thrust in upon thrust upon that in the Eleventh Engineer Battalion, which now is a pretty storied uh, unit since mm-hmm. the initial invasion of Iraq. The one of the first medals, the Medal of Honor, was awarded um, to Sergeant Smith from the Third Infantry Division from the Eleventh Engineers in wow. the initial invasion of Iraq. It was one of the first uh, medals of honor ever awarded in the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting unit to be in. To be honest, I loved the military, loved the army, loved everything about it. I did not like the Third Infantry Division; wasn't a good fit for me. Yeah. And I was like, I I will reenlist if you send me anywhere. I'll sure. go to Korea. I want to see the world. I'll go to Africa. I'll go you anywhere. You like traveling? I want to go. Yeah. Let me go. And they yeah. said, if you reenlist, you will stay right here in the same unit. Mm. And this is there's nothing going on. I mean, this is 1999. Mm-hmm. There's not you know. Yugoslavia is not happening in the war. You know, 9 11 sure. hadn't happened yet. None of that. So I'm just sitting there, just wasting away in this crappy barracks. It was a bad time for to be in the military. We didn't sure. have a lot of money. We had crap gear. I wouldn't get paid anything. I was getting paid like, 
somebody will Google it, whatever. If somebody listens to this, probably like five, six hundred dollars a month uh-huh. is what I was getting paid. I mean, that's your car insurance, sure, some gas, and like two trips to Wendy's, yeah, and go to the bar one time, and that's that right. was it. And then you wait till the next month, and you get paid again. So it was, it was garbage, and I didn't want to be there. So go to St. Patty's Day in Savannah. Wall time. Meet a girl. My wife always knows the story, so if she listens to this, she'll be fine with it. <laughs> meet a girl. <laughs> meet a girl. Uh-huh. And she went to Georgia Southern University. Never heard of Georgia Southern in my life. Got you. Down on River Street. I met her about 20 minutes later. She got arrested for underage drinking. But I was like, man, Georgia Southern sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go thing. down there. Let me go check like, it out. Let me check it out. <laughs> Never saw her again. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I remember, I remember Georgia Southern University. Uh-huh. So... Again, before Google and all that, and I'm kind of a dumbass, so I drove all the way from Fort Stewart up to 16, all the way down 16, all the way over. Didn't know there was a road that connected the two. <laughs> there was no Google Maps. Y'all are going to make fun of me. Yeah. There's no Google Maps. You can't just punch it in. Sure. You know, and so I go, and in the Army, just lost as hell, just drive all the way around. So I go to Georgia Southern. I'm like, the Statesboro, Georgia, back in the day when all there was was a square. Yeah. Like a couple little bars or whatever. And I'm like, this is an awesome place. And I had never had any ambitions. I had the GI Bill and some other stuff, but. I never had any ambitions to go, you know, um, go to college. But I was like, this third ed thing is not really working out. I want to still be, I want to be in the army, but I got to do something else. So I was like, I'll go to college. So I apply for Georgia Southern, come to Georgia Southern, and uh, get accepted. Start going to school. And right when I got out of the army, though, so they let me out of the army. Obviously, I just got out. My time was up. I did my time. Didn't reenlist. And while I was going through that transition, I joined the National Guard. They were like, Hey, you don't have to do anything else. Uh-huh. You can still be in the army, and you can go to school. And you can be in the National Guard. Yeah. I'm like, sweet. And it's right here in Statesboro. So, as, again, I said I was an engineer. What, what is the timeline here? Because you said that, like, this was pre-internet like internet age. Yep. And then you – but you did – how much uh, – how long were you at Fort Stewart before you left? So, I did, like, two years and two years. So, I, when I joined in 95, I did two years in Germany, and I did two years at Fort Stewart. Got you. So, this is 1999. Got you. So, I, I – uh, got out of the army and went to college Understood. starting in August of 99, like fall semester of 1999. So I get out at Fort Stewart, come to Statesboro, join the guard immediately. And I was, I'm an engineer. So there's an engineer unit on third ID at uh, Fort Stewart. And then the end, the unit here. So every little small city in Georgia has a national guard unit pretty much. So Metter, Glenville, Statesboro, Macon, uh, Dublin, Thomasville, everywhere has got like a little National Guard. Happens to be the one, but they're all different units. It happens to be the one here in Statesboro as an engineer unit. Got you. So I didn't have to do Lined anything up. different. Yeah. It could have been an artillery unit, could have been an aviation unit, could have been all these different things, but it was an engineer unit. And so I just wandered in there. I was already an engineer, kind of knew some stuff, went to Yugoslavia, so I thought it was some kind of big war hero or whatever. And there's all these old dudes there, and uh-huh. they're all from Statesboro. Some people sure. have never been in active duty, some people were in active duty. Um, interesting mix. So that got me thrust into. What is Statesboro? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's people there that own businesses, cops, yeah, uh, college professors, all, all walks of life in the National Guard. It was a great it was a great introduction to Statesboro for me, joining that National Guard unit. Yeah. So I was doing the National Guard thing. Again, 1999, nothing happening. Sure. Like, the news is quiet. There ain't crap going on. Um, and start going, and going to school. What are you going to school for? So I was going to school. I originally went as a civil engineer. Okay. That's what I originally planned to do. And I took like two classes and I was like, this is crazy hard. <laughs> There's a lot of math. There's a lot of, uh, you got to figure, I hadn't been in school. I hadn't read a book or wrote anything down for four years. Yeah. All I did was drive tanks and yeah. blow shit up, you yeah. know? Um, so I get to, I get, I get to class and I'm like, you know, I'm already kind of a big guy and I'm sitting there. I feel like everybody around me is like little kids. <laughs> it was difficult. Yeah. You know, so I ran into a couple of guys. There's an age difference too, right? There was. So I was already 21 years old. Yeah. And everybody around me, 18. Yeah. And I literally had been around the world. 
and yeah. done some things, and which I'm very proud of, and, I, and that's how I got to where I was at. And so I was never like very, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a man or anything, you know. So I never put that upon everybody, but it was very difficult. Listen to, I had teachers and assistant teachers, grad students that were 20 that were talking to me sure. about, hey, you need to do this. And it's difficult. Same yeah. thing with how I got into the business by that's myself. Right. That's right. Because it was difficult for me to listen to people that I'm like, eh, that's not how that works. Yeah. And have my own ideas about what things should be. So you you d- took a couple classes yep. uh, in civil engineering. Yeah. And then what happens? And then uh, so I started uh, working at the square at a bar at Retrievers. Well, okay. Wild Wings way back when. Okay. And uh, met my current wife. That's what that's what I'm the current wife. The only wife I've ever had. Okay. I met my wife at working at the bar. And when I was there, there's some other people that worked there also that were in building construction and contracting. So it was BCC, and it was it was offered at Georgia. I didn't even know that was offered. And I've always liked building things and doing things. And this was a path for me. Um, construction would have been a path for me to work for myself. Yeah. And and work on my own terms. And I really liked that. And so uh, I start I switched over to a building construction contracting major. And those were my people. That yeah. was that was great. Yeah. I love those people. We went. To, I went to school at Georgia Southern for four years for that. Um, and as a little, another part of the story, I never graduated from Georgia Southern with that degree. September 11th happened, mm. um, and I quit school. Yeah. Um, but I was also in ROTC at the same time because, again, I was still in the National Guard. I did ROTC, even though my school was paid for, for uh, through the GI Bill. Sure. And I was working. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in the military Sure. at some point. So I was like, man, I'm going to do ROTC, and I'll become an officer. Man, I know that everybody has one of these stories, but like, where were you at when 9-11 happened? Where Tillman Park is, mm-hmm. right behind uh, Del Sur. Yeah, there used to be one house there. Uh huh. There was one old house in the woods back there in the Hurdy National Forest. Okay. That we rented for like three years. Uh huh. Me and a bunch of buddies, and we lived in that house back there. And I remember waking up uh, early, and in my box shorts, eating some Cheerios, and hearing and watched it. It turned on the TV wow. and saw the towers fall. And that was the last day that I went to school, and I was an active duty soldier ever since that day again. Yeah. Up till one month ago. Yeah. From that day until, yeah, November this year. Uh, so how does that work with your school? Like, I mean, do you just kind of like just say, hey, like this is this is like. I just walked away. Yeah. I walked away. I went to RTC. I went to school and I would paid for it all on my own. Well, with the GI Bill and, you know, through student loans and stuff. And I went to my instructors and I went up to the and I told him, I said, I'm done. Yeah. And I said, this is what I got to do. And then I went to the National Guard Armory here in Savannah, in Statesboro. And they were all high alert, obviously. And they put a bunch of people like we got a lot of money, emergency money to protect the airport. Yeah. I went and did orders at the airport because we thought that was going to be a threat. Came out here for months and months. We kind of spun our wheels and then it kind of calmed down. But I went on orders. I put a uniform on that day and never turned back, never went back to school, mm-hmm. um, never did anything. And then it turned into a path of this is what I'm going to do again. Yeah. So I got that one little time uh, where I was a college kid. Yeah. And then September 11th happened, changed everything. Yeah. So one month ago, you mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, go through your, your military mm-hmm. uh, experience, and then you are now at what state in your life? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like I'm young enough. I'm, I'm not 45 yet. I'm 44 years old. Mm-hmm. I retired with 27 years in the, in the military, and I've got a couple of kids, and it's like, now what do you do? So I get a retirement check from the, from the Army. And I will give this up to anybody listening um, that's trying to start a business. If I'm I'm going on the backbone of a retirement, I have a retirement of like let's call it two grand a month. Okay, that's what I get from the government for my service. Yeah, but to start from nothing and go out and start a business like I know you have, sure. and to say hey I'm going to start this business and this is what I'm going to do, is crazy to me. Yeah, that's so hard. Uh-huh. Me having this this pillow to fall back on, sure, is still very difficult. Yeah, but for people like yourself and some people that I'm sure that are listening that want to go out there and 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 make something happen for themselves. 
that's all the effort, and that's mm. it's commendable. It's, it it never it doesn't. I've traveled all around the world. It don't doesn't happen anywhere but here. Mm. I mean, it's a that's a big deal to go out there and put yourself in the line and say I'm gonna do whatever business you want to do, whatever your passion is. And so uh, that's that's been hard for me um, to say where's my next paycheck gonna come from. Sure, because um, my pay got cut in a month, you know, by, you know, I make a third of what I used to make. Sure. And so I still have the same bills and everybody does that's trying to start another business, you know, so they do what they have to do and then maybe do their business on the side. And that's what I did kind of my last year. And I trying to make a little bit of a transition to have my business ready to roll when I got out. Yeah. But, uh, it's very hard. Yeah. You know, and then the pandemic happened. I could have got out before that. Um, I stayed another year because of the pandemic because I knew I'm trying to be a recreator, professional recreator is what I say. I'm trying to be a recreator. Pandemic was not yeah, friendly to that. As right. I mean, a lot of businesses struggled during that. That's right. That's right. And uh, so I, I had a I had a good, you know, good, you know, pillar to fall back on to be still getting a paycheck and still be able to create my business while I was still doing that. And I ended up retiring as a instructor at uh, Georgia Southern at the RTC. Oh, you did? So you it came are, full circle. That's where you. I ended up leaving from was they, I got a job. Uh, it, with the National Guard for the last three years of my military career, I actually worked at the RTC building with my name on a plaque. Never graduated from there, but uh-huh. for you know, 22 years later, yeah. I actually had a, my name on a plaque in a building <laughs> as an instructor where, I, where it all started. Yeah, that's that's um, awesome. So, so you know, get me to boats. So, you know, mm-hmm. you you've I'm I'm hearing that probably a year or two years, you already knew that this was probably something that you were going to do. Yep. And had had you been giving tours at that point? Like, were you already touring with people, or was that kind well, during, of like- during? Yeah, and that's a great question. During the during the entire uh, time that when I from when I left school to now, I'd always my my family's lived here in Statesboro. Yeah. And when I would I deployed to Iraq, I deployed to Afghanistan twice. Um, I did all the I ran the training uh, called PTA uh, uh, pre deployment training for all the National Guard soldiers in the entire state where they were about to deploy, we trained them. We, we created a unit at Fort Stewart where we would train all the soldiers. And so every time we had a day off or a weekend off or a minute off, we would go down to the coast and get on a boat. Love so that. I've had a lot of different boats and me, it was just started out with me and my buddies. Yeah. And it was just like, hey, other guys had boats. I ended up getting a boat. Maybe another guy had a different boat, whatever. Just getting on that water was a, t- a way to unwind. And we didn't talk about the military. We didn't talk about anything because it's such an amazing place. It was easy to distract yourself after all those deployments and all the crazy stuff you see in the world. If you can get out there on a boat on that water, that that was everything. And I knew that's where I needed to be. That's something that's really interesting because I think a lot of people in this area use that as a way to unwind. Sure. What is it about the water that's that gives that to you? Well, for me, it's unlike anything in war. Like you can see, you can watch D-Day and guys, I'm sure, you know, they come across on a boat or whatever, but it's very rare. Like that's not a place where you're threatened. Mm. For me and my buddies, shoot, I was up late last night when the Eagle Creek hanging out doing trivia stuff and it was with me and a bunch of army buddies. And the first thing they always had when we're going on the boat. Yeah. And it's, and it's, if you watch a, you know, a bunch of YouTube videos like I do, a bunch of guys that get out of the military, they all live, you know, coast It's all around the coast yeah. or they're in the woods, in the mountains. That's a different thing. But it's very similar. Yeah. It's it's very it's a sanctuary. Yeah. You know, it's where we want to be. And the history here too, you know, you gotta figure I um me and me and my friends that, that were in the military for as long as we were, you know, we we were a part of history, whether they like it or not. And you get so ingrained in it after doing that for over half my life. When I was seventeen I joined and then twenty seven years later I get out um to be a part of history and then to be you know, the United States is only a couple hundred years old. Mm-hmm. And for this area, that's why I knew it would work um, doing the business that I'm trying to do is because the history here is so 
vast. And yeah. so my tours are mostly history tours. Oh, really? That's what I really want to do. Yeah. Is go down there. You got it, Savannah River. You've got uh, Fort Jackson. You got Fort Pulaski. I mean, the Civil War and the American Revolution in one spot. You got sunk ships on the where the French. Uh, we're going to invade. And so the British sank all their ships and left all their soldiers stranded in, in Savannah, all the way from Bloody Point on Defusky Island, where um, the British military went and killed all the American Indians on, De, on Defusky Island because a guy was dating an Indian girl. Uh-huh. I mean, all that stuff happened within right like there. right there, uh-huh. right there. It's an interesting thing. You how, know? how did you learn about those, like, you know, that history? Like, was that just you kind of like going out there exploring and studying? Or exactly. Like, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you go, you know, just like everybody else, read books and look on the internet. Now you have the internet. It's very easy to find stuff. But yeah, reading a lot of different books. Um, now I also, a little side job that I do, I work with uh, South Auctions okay. and auction off a lot of stuff with uh, Alex Grovenstein. We do a lot of, uh, you know, personal property auctions or estate auctions. And it's really neat. Like right now on the auction, we have Confederate notes from, from oh, you know, the Civil cool. War. And we have, uh, we have a uh, deed to a property um, in Savannah from 1774 mm. is one of the things we're auctioning off right now, too. So that, I love all the history and I love, you know, how America was made because... A lot of strife happened in my career. A lot of bad things happened, but it was for a reason. Mm. You know, so if I can take people out on a boat and kind of give them a taste of, and it's, you know, people from the Midwest, it's people from all over, some people from Savannah yeah. that never get to go see that, never never even knew it was there. Uh-huh. They may have grown up in Savannah. To see the things that you can see from the first Americans that came here. And again, and on the American Indian side, they all lived on the coast yeah that's where all the food was at yeah um and so you, when you step off the boat and you get into like an oyster bed or an oyster shoal you'll find that right. you'll that's where they all lived that's yeah. where they that's how they survived and so i like to be there too and yeah. I, people every single person that gets on that boat loves it too yeah how uh, long are the tours typically uh half a day um it's kind of no timeline. If you if you hire me to go on the boat and uh-huh. you got a website uh, lowcountrydrifters.com if you get go on the website and you say you want to go on a tour it's kind of up to you, you know, we'll go at low tide. So the tide swing in Savannah is crazy. It's one of the biggest ones on the entire East coast. Mm-hmm. So the swing could be all the way up to like 12 feet yeah. on the moon. Um, so if we want to go to a beach or if you want to go, go fossil hunting or go to shark tooth Island or something, we kind of go, I got to go at low tide. Uh, otherwise the islands almost completely covered with water. Yeah. So we got to go at low tide. So if low tides at two in the afternoon or if it's at eight in the morning, and then when we get done with that, if the tide comes in, we're done doing that. We can go to the Marina. We can go down river street. So you're it's kind of like flexible, right? It's very flexible. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to kick me off the boat. If you want to stay all day, I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. It's, it's fun. That's very cool. I'd be on it anyway. So if you want to ride, let's go. Oh, uh, you know, what's interesting about your story is you come from a, um, a place where it's like very military based. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, if there's some people that are listening to the show right now that maybe want to get into business, uh, that has maybe a similar past to yours, what advice would you have for them? Like, how would, how would you you know, show them the ropes, if you will. Yeah, that's a great question. And I've tried to, I've tried to explain that too. And there's some really good, that boots to business and you yep. Google it, boots to business is amazing. Never even heard of it until I was getting out. And I'd actually gotten out before I got out of active duty and went and joined the guard. And then I re-enlisted, I think 16 times during my career uh-huh. um, to join the, join, rejoin the army over and over. They call it re-enlisting. Um, never even heard of it. But during my transition uh, to retirement, that was offered to me, and it's a great resource. It works very, very closely with the small business mm-hmm. um, administration uh, all around the state, and there's representatives to come talk to, and there's a lot of resources through the VA if you are a veteran. Um, and if, if you're not, the small business, the building we're in, right? I mean, it's sure. it's amazing. It's amazing. There's so much stuff out there, but 
it is government stuff, so they try to advertise it, but it's hard for them to advertise sure. it. It's hard to find it unless you're looking for it. That's right. But you got to go out there and try to find it. And as a veteran individually, um, or if you are a veteran listening to this, there are so many things out there. It's not free chicken, and any of the vets will know exactly what I'm talking about. We call it free chicken. It's not free chicken, but it is something you can go grab. Yeah. And and it's a real resource, and there's a lot of money thrown at it. And there's different things. I got another buddy that's starting a pecan farm, and he's with the uh, um, agriculture, trying to do that with the USDA. Yeah. There's a lot of grants there as a veteran farmer. Um, and then, you know, still got to set up an LLC, still got to be in business for yourself. And these are things that we're not taught as veterans. Um, or just as a normal person, depending sure. on what your degree is in college. You know, it's very, very hard to start your own business. But there's resources out there, and there's, you know, like what you're doing. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, what does the future hold for low country drifters? Like, what is the, what's the dream there? So the dream is for me to ultimately, uh, I think it's three phase. And my wife is a gift. Stephanie Neal, she's, she's really good at what she does. She's a graphic designer. She built my website. She does my Instagram, all my social media. Um, and does all the designs of ever all our business cards, all the hats, mm-hmm. shirts. She does all that. I mean, that would be tens, as you well know, sure. tens and tens of thousands of dollars. 100%. And she's she's been a gift. I couldn't do it without her. Mm-hmm. Um, other, I, well, I probably could, but I'd be in serious debt. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have done it, but I'd be in serious debt. So she's she does a great job at that. And she's got another job too. She works for a construction company, doing that same thing for a construction company. Understood. And then she's paid very well for that. And they know what her gift is. And so to have that connection with her has really made what I have in my head become a reality. Sure. Um, Cause that's hard getting that out of your head and into the world is sure. very difficult. So it's kind of three phases. It's going to be uh, apparel. Okay. want to do like t-shirts and hats. That's what I call our get, you know, gas station hats are very popular. Sure. You know, it's a big deal. So that's a big business opportunity, but, and it's like, man, these guys are already doing it. Somebody's got to do it. Sure. People are going to buy stuff. You got something cool. People want to buy it. That's right. So I want to be the person that they buy it from. Sure. Um, so I've tried to make those connections over the years of people that actually are in that business. Um, and so I think it's big time uh, networking, like we're doing right now, networking, finding people, like-minded people, or people that know that industry. Where do you buy the hats? Where do you get them embroidered? All those things you don't think about when you just pick a hat up off the rack. That's right. Is where did this come from? Um, so we're trying to do that. So that's the dream. If you talk about where this is going to lead is hopefully that's where at least 50% of the income comes from. Got you. Is through apparel with low, co- low country drifters apparel. Okay. Because why not? Yeah, of Columbia course. Columbia did it. Patagonia. They, they, somebody did it. Somebody yeah. started it. Why can't it be me? That's right. So I'm going to try really hard at that. And then it's going to be uh, not – I love driving the boats. I don't want I, – I hear a lot of people say you don't want to do what you love as a job. Sure. I do right now. Sure. But I don't want that to be tainted with it being a job. So eventually I want to get other – getting a captain's license was very, very difficult. It took me almost a year to be a certified captain, which you have to be to – have paying passengers on a boat. Mm-hmm. So you got to get a TWIT card, Transportation Workers Identification Card. You got to get a medical exam. You got to go through a whole giant course, Coast Guard course. Um, it's like 60 hours and you get a merchant mariner. You become a merchant mariner. Sure. And so I had to do all that. So I want to get a couple more people educated on that process and I want to pay for at least two more captains to become captains. Okay. And then I want them to run my boat. Got you. That's that's the ultimate goal. Gotcha. It's for me not to physically be doing it. Uh-huh. And maybe my kids, I told them, if like, hey, you want to make $500 a day yeah. and not work at Wendy's, whatever, <laughs> come do this business. Sure. You know? But they're going to have their own dreams, too. If they want to do it, that'd be great. But I want I want to help somebody else pursue their dreams, too. And if that's what they want to do, I want to support them. I want to uh, pay for their captain's license. I want to put them on my boat, and they're going to get a cut and be a, a partner in the business, and they do a drive the boat. Got gotcha. you. Um, and hopefully, you know, have five, six boats by the end of this, and I get a cut off all of that, and... 
selling t-shirts and hats on the internet and I get to hang out with my kids. Love that. That's love the that. goal. Love that. Uh, thank you so much for your service, like mm-hmm. number one. And then thank you so much for being an inspiration, right? Like I think that, you know, I, I was not aware that, you know, for veterans that is such a connection between entrepreneurship. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm, I'm excited to kind of like maybe reach out to some of your buddies and kind of like sure. to bring them onto the show. Cause I think that that's a uh, huge, like underserved market mm-hmm. uh, here in you know the US. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for coming to the show. I appreciate mm-hmm. your time and uh, uh, looking forward to getting on the boat with you. I hope so, <laughs> I hope so. Thanks, Sounds bro. good, thank Come you. Man.